Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. And we're rolling live in studio. My favorite way to do a show. It's been a while. Uh, John Sr.'s been on, I don't know, half a dozen times or so, you think? About that, yeah. Roughly. And uh, he must be a popular guy because almost every show I do with John is a hit. I get a lot of really good feedback and... Yeah, it seems to do well. It seems to trend. Take us back to when we met. Ah, we met. I was OSIS. Uh, I was working at the Market Mall uh, as a civilian in national defense, carrying the ID card and everything else. And uh, I walked out of the office one day into the main foyer, and there you were, just talking with the secretary. And... uh, I looked at you, and I just saw some distress going on. And then I just walked up to you and approached you and just started talking and mentioned something about peer support, and you were like, I'll give it some thought. Same usual I get from everybody, right? Who is this guy? First thing, you know, you were just being polite at the very beginning, just being very polite, going like, yeah, I'll consider it. Yeah, sure, blah, blah, blah. And you just started thinking about it more, right? And asking questions, and then you I didn't expect you to follow up, but you did. You followed up, and then we just started having a conversation, and then we, you started attending peer support group, and that's how we grew. Just now, for, cold call to you right there for, in for the that office. group. Originally, you were getting a paycheck for doing it at the time. I was getting a decent amount of money. Yeah, yeah, a decent paycheck at the time. Very, but it's a high burnout position. It is actually, you know. Um, but when I filled that position, it was, I was the fifth person in Calgary in like a three-year span. It was a really high turnover rate. And the, it and is, a fairly new role, too. Very, yeah. A very new role. The the average, I think, is about five years in that position with those people, to be quite honest. Five years seems like a long time. I have trouble seeing anybody surviving that for five years. Yeah, I um I just read a book, uh, Better Off Dead, by one of my coworkers, um, who did the exact same thing out in New Brunswick, I think it was, and um I read that book, Mark, and it was a lot of flashbacks, and not for bad reasons either. It it really took me back to the the core and essence of peer support, and and why it's important and the benefits of it, and that look you gave me at first of who are you, why are you talking to me? And that love, I could just see in your face, the skepticism about that. But years later now, because I was in 2017, yeah. in 2017 and years later, here we are. And look at the difference. Well, 2017 and uh, Tango Romeo was born in 19. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. And um, and here we are three years later, yeah. and it's in 68 countries around the world. Yeah. You know? Um, now, let's just roll back the clock a little bit here. Mm-hmm, yeah. Some people for that peer support group would make quite the drive to get there. Some people were coming from British Columbia, yeah. others from uh, Medicine Hat. Yes. Either way, two or three hour drive yeah. once every two weeks to be there. Why were they putting in so much effort to be as part of that group? The very first thing is they have to admit they have a problem. And then they have to stop running from those problems. And when they say, when they get that determination, then they're willing to put that work in. And, and do it. And it does help that those people were paid by Veterans Affairs for mileage and hotel overnight for that. So it did help a lot. Um, so they were there. The barriers were removed. That's the thing is, is removing the barriers. And when you can remove those barriers and you see what happens in peer support, it is worth that two hour drive both ways. Once your position ended there, when some, you knew you couldn't do it anymore under that umbrella for yeah. circumstances that have nothing to do with the show. There's no, no reason right. that we need to get into that. Precisely. But either way, you left a very healthy paycheck doing what you yeah. love, yeah, doing something with a sense of purpose that you believed in and that you could see the results of. Yeah. Once that paycheck was gone, you kept doing it anyway. I did. Um, it became a calling. It became... A responsibility. It became, um, it's sort of, it may sound kind of metaphoric or a hashtag, but it became an obligation of, I'm fortunate. I'm not in a position, or I'm, I'm fortunate and I can help others. So therefore I should. Is that you? It's you. It's in your pocket. I'll turn this off. Sorry. Um, it became um, like a duty, right? It's like you don't leave anybody behind. And I didn't want to leave any of my people behind. And when I took the job, it was essentially it was, it was, um, we're there to help people. We're there to get their trust. We're there to, to bring them out of their shell. We're there to help them. And then all of a sudden, when I got hurt a little bit, it was like, okay, you need to stop. You need to do this now. And you need to abandon all those people that you just helped. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. You're asking the wrong person to abandon others. And I couldn't do that. And I saw, and it was at that point in time, they became very aware that too many agencies, whatever their umbrella is, okay, um, are there to just do a portion of a job and then they leave you. And there and too many vets are left high and dry. Every time there's an election cycle. Absolutely. Hey, we're going ahead with this. Oh, different government. Yeah. Now we're not going ahead with that anymore. Absolutely. Um, I, I was in a very unique position because I was, I was half D and D and half veterans affairs. So I got to work in a VAC office and I got to become intimate with their policies and the workers and that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of good people there. I'll tell you that firsthand, the top notch people it's changing hands right now because the old guard is leaving just like us. And these new kids coming in have no concept of 
what the needs are for veterans. And a lot of people right now are just policy-driven only. And they're forgetting that the person they're talking to that has a K number at the back end of that phone has a family, has feelings, has needs, and wants to get better. They're forgetting that kind of stuff. And that's what I was seeing as well. And then when that happened to me when I left that agency, I felt all the wrath of that abandonment again. <laughs> so, you know, I got a three-year release in the military, and then a couple years later, here I am, getting to send you the same sort of thing from D&D again, the second time. Now, despite your best interests, yeah. you, you continued on without a paycheck. I did. Every two weeks. I did, and I'll tell you, rough times. I'll tell you, yeah, rough times. Um, well, that which is why at, eventually, at some mm-hmm. point, you handed the torch to me. I did. There was a point there I did. Um, by the way, I need to say, you were the only person in Calgary in, I think it was a like a five-year, seven-year span that actually made it to a program to be trained for peer support. Nobody else has ever been on that course. Very, There's only one other person in an eight-year span. Wow. Yeah. It, finding the right person is really hard. It It takes a... You have to have a level of empathy. You have to have, a, at the same time, to, you, you have to be super soft. You have to be able to read people, and you have to be able to take a beating. Um, there's people there's people here in Calgary that don't like me because I've told them you're not ready for, for you're still running, right? You're not facing your demons. And, you know, maybe sometimes I'm a little too blunt, but by the same token, I need to give that person, any, every single soldier I meet, regardless of what color uniform they wore, deserves a quality of life. And that's what, that's what I'm driven at. It's like, you deserve to be better. You deserve to have a quality of life. You deserve to be fixed. You deserve to have help. And when you're, when you're in constant denial, you're denying yourself and your family and your kids the best you you can be. And we've just had a conversation about a mutual person and there's other people that you know that don't talk to me anymore. And I wish the best for them. I am still here for them. Regardless of what they think of me now, I look at it as that's their denial. People would drive two and three hours to be there. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time contemplating that and what the value is and why they would make that drive. And what I've come up with, and the reason that this show was born, mm-hmm. which was from those peer support meetings, because mm-hmm. one day I thought, well, let's scale this, because that one fella in in our group mm-hmm. doesn't have access to Veterans Affairs Canada. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, well, how do we preserve these lessons? You know, well, be a better note taker, I guess. But um, <laughs> how, how do we pre- preserve these lessons so that I can share them with my family? Yeah. So my family can understand better the process that I'm in to try to be a, to be better, to try to be healthier, so that they can support me in my journey. How do they support me in my journey if they don't know what I'm doing? Oh, yes. Right? If yeah. they don't know, the, yeah. if I can't convey these lessons, which most people don't have those communication skills, well, how can I bring the family along with me? Mm-hmm. Operation Tango Romeo. That's how. That is exactly it. And I don't, I've never said it that way before. Yeah. 
But that is the that is the essence of your show. That is the essence of this whole program here. And and again, just before we started this, I'm a such a staunch supporter of of this program. I it's it is doing what I can't do, which is it is recording it, it's making it tangible so that they can share it with people that know need to know. Okay. It's also getting out to the troops, regardless of whether they're they qualify for VAC or not, regardless of their what nationality they are. It's helping soldiers. It's helping police. It's helping RCMP. It's helping any uniform service. But it's helping the families as well, which and, I, oh, you know, I always try to remind myself: yeah. oh, don't let don't let them out in uh, in the cold. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. bring them in from the cold. The families have to be a part of the process. They have to. Uh, they, if they can't understand, how can they help? Yeah. And this this is providing that. This is doing what I can't do. So you know, yay team. <laughs> that's all i can say honest to god this is ea team and it is it is finding the right people to work together to provide that solid hardcore information to the people that need it to the veterans to well, the families that are helping and to the doctors by the way most of the major oh yeah well let's, let's pause there before i go to where i was about to go mm-hmm. numerous numerous doctors and other kinds of therapists and practitioners listen to this show Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Tons of, um, well, tons have been guests. Mm, yeah. But uh, those same people listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have high-end public officials that listen on the regular. Mm-hmm. The former leader of the Conservative Party, Aaron mm-hmm. O'Toole, is a regular listener. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Um, respect, dude. Name drop. Um, but this helps them yeah. understand the gravity and the scope mm-hmm. of veteran first responder issues. Mm-hmm. And I'd also want to say for the millionth time that I don't differentiate mm-hmm. because you're injured or you're not, it hurts or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you're injured. I really don't care. That's right, yeah. It doesn't matter. My trauma isn't bigger than your trauma. We don't play the trauma Olympics here. No. It's, and every, there's no such thing as I, I shouldn't be injured. There's no such thing as I don't have the right to be injured because other people went through something worse. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist. You're hurt or you're not. Mm-hmm. You're suffering or you're not. You have the symptoms or you don't. Or it's somewhere on a scale. Mm-hmm. Right? That's all we care about. Are you in pain? I don't care how you got in pain. Is interfering with your quality of life? Yeah. Is your is your quality of life damaged? Mm-hmm. Well, then you need help. Yeah. You don't need to check a scorecard. You know, you don't need to to score a, a seventy five out of a hundred in order to qualify for help. That is the one thing about peer support. I love is is we don't we don't worry about those kinds of metrics. You know, the other things that people are looking for. And it's the things that you said, are you hurt? Did you serve? Are you hurt? Is it affecting your life? This is your place for you. And I also want to throw in, an, you don't have to be, a, um, you don't have to have uniform service either happening to you right now or in your rear view mirror mm-hmm. to be able to be benefiting from mental health supports or from the information and the conversations that we have on this show, mm-hmm. right? It can happen to anybody. It can happen from a car accident. It can happen from any 
number of events from your childhood. It can, it it happens from all over the place. It just so happens that the show is tailored to what I know, just like Mm -hmm. anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know uniform services. I know that because once always, you know, Mm -hmm. you can take, (laughs) you could take off the uniform, but it's always, you, you, you never take it off. You're bringing a good point here is that the theory and mechanics are the same. The difference that we do, Mark, is the application of those theories. That's the difference. One of the challenges that we have, and we both have, unfortunately, way too many stories, mm. both personally, and we are both center points in the veteran community, mm-hmm. first responder community. So we get a lot of stories that come to us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have heard many damaging stories of professionals sometimes professionals employed by OSIS mm-hmm. who shit the bed so hard and so nasty and, and put uh, the person who is asking for help at risk by not yeah. really being able to understand what we're going through, mm-hmm. not having the ability to have that empathy, or by being skeptical. Um, it's been a while since I've said it on the show, but... Uh, Last July, on the birthday of my youngest son, I attempted suicide, mm-hmm. which, of course, was a bit of a shock for you to hear the first time you heard it. Yeah. But that I saw coming because of all the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Because I saw it coming, I asked my official therapist at the OSI clinic for help. I said, I think I'm getting closer to the edge. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that I'm going to get blindsided by an event and my, my cup will overflow too much, uh, I am not confident that I will have the tools to stop myself. And she didn't believe me, mm. was the bottom line. Well, she believes you now. Well, yeah, who knows? But um, she didn't believe me. So when I knew she didn't believe me, because of her flippant response, uh, response well, then the attempt actually happened after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it coming. I went for help. Help wasn't there. Sure as shit, a big event did happen, and it did push me over the edge, which I was worried about, and I freaking went for it. Mm-hmm. Thank God I wasn't able to complete. You know, it was a weird psychotic break with reality, but I went for it all the same. And when I circled back, to the OSI clinic, I said, okay, this is what happened. They just cut me loose. There was no follow-up. There was no managerial review. There was no nothing. So you won't be coming back then? Okay, bye. Yeah. And they cut me loose. And that's not okay. So we, we do have parts of the system that need to be patched up and fixed. It's what you just said that even after I was done that I stayed doing what I was doing because I knew it was the right thing. I knew that there's more to this. I knew I had to go on. I knew I had to learn things. And I didn't want to be responsible for anybody within within my call sheet for them to pack it in either. Yeah. You know? Um, And again, it's don't leave anybody behind, Right. And and so now I've moved forward from that particular group 
And I still have some of the same people attending my groups now, but I've moved forward to a different agency and it is so much better. Um, now I do include police and all the other uniform services rather than just military. And there's been a major growth with that by the same token, mental health and peer support is about to change rapidly and drastically it is it, it is a thing now and to prove that i've also had a, a clinician within my peer support group for over a year about 18 months and what he learned by listening to the front line which is the peer support group and i'm glad i'm glad other professionals are listening to the show i didn't know that and it's a really good thing because yeah, I got PhDs from all over the planet that listen to this. That's good because what they need to hear is this this show here puts them at the front line of what the struggle is that uniform services are facing. And they are the ones that have the ability to help fix, not us, right? <clears throat> all we can do is provide the awareness, a sounding platform. We can be there for that social support, mental support, emotional support, that kind of stuff. But it's those professionals that really do have the ability to make a difference and if they're not listening to this and getting their hands dirty and listening learning how can they help somebody how can you relate to a truck driver if you've never been in a big rig and just yeah. seen them on the road i just want to take a moment uh, john yeah. and say hello to the people that are signing in here oh please do uh james good to hear from you buddy um jeff Thank you for your comments and for sharing what you're sharing here in the comments. And I'm glad that you've survived. So uh, thanks for tuning in, both of you. And uh, Jeff, I'm glad that this is your first time tuning into the show. There's 230 some odd episodes for you. So uh, you got some catching up to do, brother. Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time. And this is why I do the lives too, because people see it pop up on their phone. Yeah. Mark Mankey or Operation Tango Romeo or whatever, or actually all of the above is going live now. And it's for the first timers as well. Right. Absolutely. It is. And been doing this for a while now, but, um, mm -hmm. and they go, Oh, Oh, and that's why I can't stop. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't stop. Well, there, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one, I keep getting first timers, Right. Two, I keep getting notes, um, like one I got the other day, about episode number six. <laughs> That's a while ago. <laughs> That's a little while ago, Mark. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it, it's how to not wreck your camping trip. That, what a story. It, it's so good, right? What a story. Like, it's so good. Yeah. But it's, the, the note that I got was, this in no small way has improved my marriage and my relationship with my children. Mm -hmm. That was episode six. Thumbs up, buddy. And now I'm on 236, right? So yeah. what other nuggets out there, what other, uh, that I never even thought would land, what other bits of wisdom have helped people improve their relationships with their spouses and relationships with their children? Because if, if you remember, yeah. my entire journey started because I was an asshole with my kids. And what did I say to you? <laughs> One of the first few meetings we had, Dude, you're an asshole, and so am I. We're all <laughs> assholes because we don't know the damage we're fucking doing. Yeah. And that makes you an asshole, but yeah. you don't know. I got three tidbits. If I had to narrow it down, I would say the three things. One is the four agreements. You need to understand. Yeah, book's right behind you there. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. The four agreements, because you need to understand it's not about you, right? 
Uh, the other one is the five love you know languages. I'm, I'm going to use this. Uh, I'm going to yeah. let you do something that I've never let you do before. Uh, okay. I'm going to let you go solo while you're talking about the four agreements, and I'm going to visit uh, the little soldier's room. You go visit the little soldier's room. And oh. you talk about the four agreements. Okay. So the four agreements, um, the reason why I, I go over that so much in my in my lessons and, and peer meetings is because it's one of those um, those very powerful tools that helps you unload. And by unloading in, what I mean by that is it, it prevents more stress, more guilt, more shame from being added on into your rucksack or on your shoulders. So you don't have to carry it anymore. And the very first one is be impeccable with your word. And the thing is, if you slow down and think before you speak and you're impeccable with your word, <clears throat> then you don't have to remember what you said for that conversation. Um, because if you're always telling a lie or exaggerating, it's a problem. But being impeccable with your word unloads because it prevents more harm from being happen from happening. The second thing is, it's not about you. So what I said before when Mark and I were talking about, essentially, was there's certain people that don't like me because I've, con- I've con- either confronted them or I've let them know what their issue is, and they just weren't ready to hear it kind of stuff. So people saying things behind your back kind of stuff, they're the ones that are still running. They they haven't come to that that moment where they realize that they do have an issue and they're not facing it. The third one is, so, so it's not about you, um, pack with your word. Oh, don't assume. Uh, making an assumption um, based on just partial, partial knowledge, making an assumption is really, really bad because what you end up doing with that is, is you're taking, you're taking a, uh, a partial truth or just a, some kind of factoid and you're going to make it into something it truly isn't. It's not representative of what really is going on. And that is a problem. And so when you say, well, you don't like me because of this and this and this and, you're, and you come up with all these little points, the other person goes like, oh my God, how far off base can you be? Like you can't be farther from the truth. I'm here to help you. Uh, then the last one is always do your best. And this one here is critically important because for us, sometimes our best is just getting our asses out of bed yeah, and putting one sock on and, and, and then you would go back into bed. And being kind to yourself about that is really the trick. You That's know, like, exactly what it's about. Just like we don't compare trauma, we don't compare capacities mm-hmm. because, you know, I just thought of this too. Uh, I'm, I'm always, as an example to the audience, I, I talk about things like Duolingo, 699 days in a row yeah. of Duolingo five or 10 minutes a day, most days, you know, sometimes double that. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I don't speak French yet, <laughs> but 699 <laughs> days in a row and, and I'm learning. But the, the point of it is not look at me. I'm, 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 I'm this guy. It's like, look, this is the importance of habits of daily consistent habits. So who am I to say it if I don't model it? That's exactly it. Right. So the four agreements is exactly it. And in summary, you already said it. It's just being kind to yourself. So those four things are being kind to yourself. Well, the the biggest reason people don't set a big goal like that yeah. is they don't think that they're worth it. They don't think that they deserve the end state. So I yeah. uh, got into a conversation with somebody, a friend of mine, who has a giant curve in his back. Now, he feels that if he does all the right things every single day, that he can fix this curve. But he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. The reason he doesn't do it is the same reason anybody else doesn't 
adopt a daily, and it has to be daily, a daily routine, which is they don't think that they deserve it. They don't mm-hmm. believe that they deserve the prize at the end, right? But the thing is, you do deserve the prize at the end. Everybody deserves to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Everybody deserves to have a life without nightmares every fucking night. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody deserves to heal, to move forward, to progress in their life, to learn something new. Everybody deserves that. And that's what I keep telling them again, as it comes back to that quality of life. The second thing that's really critically important, um, if there's any three things you have to do, it's one of these things is read this book. Okay, the yeah, four agreements. Great book. Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah, it's absolutely. The the second the second thing is the um the five love languages. And the five love languages is the actual application of being kind to yourself, right? Because it's it's the communication we understand. If 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 we don't respect each other, this 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 thing here would not be happening because it would it would not flow like it does. The the bottom line of and and I, and I do like I do agree those two books. If if, mm-hmm. if you're not a big book reader, get the audio book. They're they're both short books. They're short, it's you know, easy reads. Both the, of them. the four agreements and the five love languages. I think that that is uh, if that's all you do, then fine. That's right. That that's fine. Just study them. But the bottom line about uh, the five love languages is that we all speak a different language. That's right. You know, um, and as I've done in uh, before, and I'll do it right now for the audience. If I was to say to mm-hmm. John. Yet ye, some say, unlok chapa kaus up. And he looks at me like I got three heads and I get frustrated with him because he doesn't understand what the frick I'm saying. Uh, John, turn your ears on, dude. Are you deaf? Are you not listening <laughs> exactly. to me? That's right. Yet ye, some say, unlok chapa kaus up. And he still looks like, what the frick are you saying? Oh, John, do I need to say it slower for you? Yeah. Yet ye, Sam, say, unlok chapa kaus up. Sup. I don't know if that's Korean or Chinese. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how slow I'm saying it, how loud I'm saying it. That's if right. I'm speaking the wrong language, it is, who's the asshole here? John for not knowing what I'm saying mm-hmm. or me for expecting you to know it? Exactly. Right. I'm the asshole for expecting you to know it. Now, for those that don't know, that was Cantonese, counting mm-hmm. from one to 10. That's all it is. But how dare I expect you to know Cantonese? And how dare I get mad at you if you don't know what I'm saying? And that, again, is everything we've been talking about from the beginning of the show, all the episodes. For I've been doing peer support for the, for since 2015. And exactly what you're talking about right there is the essence of why we're still doing this. Because too many people get angry. I don't know what your trigger is. It's not my job to know what your trigger is. So why should every other person in the world know what your trigger is? I'm sorry. No one is that special. <laughs> so when you go out and face Joe public, yeah. it's up to you to understand what your triggers are and to rein those, rein those things in. Yeah, it, It's on us. It's it on, on us. It's on us for the other people to know the language that we're speaking. Like right. it, it's, it's, uh, it's on us to adjust our language rather. That's right. So if we are expecting other people to just understand us and the, uh, and we've talked about this before when people first get out of the military and, and unfortunately, and I know some of you are going to, are, are going to resonate with this because you're still freaking doing it 30 years later. Yeah. Those stupid fucking civvies. That's right. If that's still your attitude, <laughs> you're the problem. Exactly. Because it, yeah. it's not them. It's not on them 
to understand you. Mm. It's on you to understand them. And that's the five love languages. Exactly. And just to take that the one step mark, and what I have said in the peer support groups and people I talk to as well is, is when we were in uniform and we're any uniform service, we are learning a different language. We're, you know, a lifestyle language. And then we get out from there. It's the same as someone coming in from Quebec to Alberta is they're going to have an accent. And in order for them to live here, they need to learn the language. Same thing with us. When we leave our uniform service, that lifestyle, we can't expect Joe Civi to understand and know what triggers us, what pisses us off. Truth, duty, valor, honor, code, and that kind of stuff. Well, it's the old saying, right? If I'm pointing at you, I got three pointing back at me. Yeah. Well, when it, you stupid fucking civvies. <laughs> right. Three point. No, I'm the stupid fucking knob yeah. that is expecting the rest of the world to revolve around me. There you go. And it's not going to. I just want to uh, carry John Patrick Conlon. That's a long name, brother. Mm. Uh, th- says took me years to adapt to becoming a civilian. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you for uh, for 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 contributing, and I'm glad you're tuning in. I was going to talk on that for a quick sec as well, and it's it's actually you know what uh, everybody that's watching right now, uh, uh-huh. I see there's quite a few that are online. Could you do me a favor um, and share this? It doesn't matter what platform you're watching it on, yeah. whether it's youtube or linkedin or facebook anchor uh anchor um well anchor will be later but whatever platform you're watching this on right now if Mm. you're on the video audience please click share right now could you please do that for me and then uh, put done on there thanks carrie and click share because then other people are going to see that this show is is running live right now. Yeah, it's true. And, yeah. you know, I had, uh, and I'll tell you who later, but um, the motto of this show is to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Well, earlier on, uh, somebody that we we both know laughed at the idea that this show could possibly save lives. That's okay. Laugh away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, it's not about me. It's about the message. It's about the information, and it's about the journey. But I can tell you, it has literally saved lives. It's stopped people from suicide because it's given them the tools to live mm. a better life. It's given them the tools to have relief from the unbelievable uh, struggle of living with an OSI. Mm-hmm. So it has saved lives, which means the mission has been accomplished. And really what keeps me going are this little private message. They're not little. I shouldn't use that word are the private, the kind and generous private messages that I get all the time. Like the one I shared with you earlier, uh, about episode six, Yeah, you know, um, how it changed their life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it made it better. And cause when you keep banging your head up against the wall, and especially when you get to the point where you realize, Oh my God, I'm caught just like I did. This was my go, no go, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hurting my family. I'm hurting my children, I'm hurting my wife, I'm hurting those around me, and I can't stop. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried the other, and I can't stop blowing up. I can't. Now, you have two options at this critical point. Mm -hmm. The option I did was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I picked up the phone and I called the Royal Canadian Legion, which helped me out. Yeah. You know, love them or hate them, they got good stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, they also got bad stuff. 
matter of fact, there's some shit going on right now that, <laughs> that's been coming to me. It's like, oh my freaking God, they yeah. did what? Um, so yeah, there's that too. But they also do good stuff. And I have benefited from the Royal Canadian Legion. Absolutely. But I had that choice in that moment. When I realized that I was hurting my children by constantly uh, over criticizing them or uh, being angry at them and that that was crushing their souls, I could either get help or I could off myself. You know, and and that's exactly the on-off switch that a lot of people choose. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to off yourself. I've had people start crying right in the middle of group because of that revelation. When I do certain demonstrations, I write on the board and stuff like that, and it's like when I draw the pictures of the family, the blast radius, the blast radius yeah. picture, and it, it it resonates so powerful with so many people that they they're literally crying right there in group or they, on Zoom because it's like, oh my god, I didn't it didn't click to me, even though it's that obvious in front of my face. It's everybody else's problem. It's everybody mm-hmm. else's fault. If you could just behave the way I need you to behave. Yeah. If you could just do that for me, John, and be exactly the type of person I need you to be so that I am never upset with you. Exactly. How what, we, a how fucking, we... what a fucking narcissist. <laughs> right? Um, I just want to go back to the other person's talk for, for a very quick second about saying the civilian thing. Um, the reality is, is we are veterans. It doesn't matter what uniform service you are. If, when you're tired, you're a veteran. And we're not supposed to be made into civilians. We just need to learn how to live amongst them. It is the same as somebody from a different country comes into Canada. They need to learn to live amongst us. The same as if we go, when we go overseas on tour, we learn to integrate into that society. And this is one of the reasons why Canadian it's like the movie. So, it's like the movie They Live, Don't only we're the aliens. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. third thing um, to talk about here, because so we, we talked about the four agreements briefly, the five love languages briefly, and the last one is the little video I do, the demonstration video of It's Not About the Nail. Yeah. How epic and powerful is that? Well, the, the, we did an episode specifically on It's Not we About did. the Nail, and tons of feedback on that, and that's mm-hmm. the power of story. Yeah. So let's do it again. Sure. It's, it's Not About the Nail. And go, John. <laughs> um. It's not about the nail. Uh, in summary, it's on YouTube. It's a video. Um, and you have this guy and this girl talking. And essentially what the whole thing is, is is he is listening. He is paying attention. And she's trying to express what the issue is. And she's and she just wants validation, affirmation, confirmation, one of those three things. But it's not happening. And even though they're talking the same language, they're on a different frequency, just like you said before. And he's just offering the solutions. And just, just pull the nail out of your head. Just pull the nail out of your head. It's the, the, can't you see how obvious this is? So I, I was thinking about uh, the fence. Yeah. Uh, not not this one, but this is a good one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's not about the nail. She's got a nail sticking out of her head. Oh, yeah. I got this headache and I don't know what it is. And, and it, just, it just hurts my sweater snags. It's freaking <laughs> hilarious. And he's like, just pull the fucking nail out of your head. Right. Right. And, um, and, and I think dudes more than anybody else have this issue yeah. where they just, just pull the nail out of your head. If we focus on the obvious is yeah. a problem. But that's not what they need. That's right, exactly it. And when we did that forensic analysis of that, it was so fantastic because we, we watched that video like seven times and the beauty of it was it was the facial expressions, the eyes, the inflection of the tones, 
the and the way she was receiving the message, the, his hand motions and everything else. So those two actors really they must have done a thousand takes to get that thing that perfect. Because for that, when I watched it and we went through it, everybody can say, "Oh my God, that's me." So when it's not about the nail, nail, what we're actually talking about is it could be the guy focusing on the nail, but we can be exchange any one of those roles. We could be the nail, we could be the guy. Or we could, we could be the girl with well, this, this sweaters are stagging on because that nail on the forehead kind <laughs> of right here kind of thing, right? And they did a fantastic job. I encourage everybody here to to look at that video on uh, on YouTube and just watch that. It's not about the nail. It, it, it's a life changer for so many aspects. Now, the reason why I said those three things, when you watch that video of not about the nail and then you apply this book and the five love languages, you'll see how much of a transformation and how uh, that you can actually make because now you're able to communicate and it's not just for yourself, it's for you and your partner or for who you need in your life as your support. Like whoever has your six, like, dude, I got your six, right? All the time, right? So that's what this is about here. So we talked about how we met and sort of mm-hmm. the birth of this show and peer support. We've, we've covered a couple of important tools that yeah. work, that help people, that help, that we use in our daily life. Daily. Personally. Okay. Mm-hmm. We shared some of the stories and how important people find peer support. Now, what I wanted to uh, get to today is that you've started your own company. Uh, yeah. te- teaching others the do's and the don'ts of peer support mm-hmm. uh, and also being a facilitator for hire for yeah. corporations um for police fire ems all that but also like uh, you would do like if abc incorporated said hey you know uh, we should have a peer support program mm-hmm, yeah. uh, uh, here at, you know even though it's not a trauma rich environment that's something that you would do it absolutely is um there's from the peer support aspect um I just need to rewind for a quick second here is where social working is now. It took them a hundred years to get here. Peer support will be at that same level of social working in five to 10 years. Okay. That's how rapid this is and how important it truly is. So I did open up for private hire only because of the fact that it's, I'm able to, to go to the audience that needs it, who does not want to have anything to do with, um, records being reported back to their their particular agency. And that's part of the problem. Because could you imagine you have a light general or a full colonel walking into the OSI clinic? For us, frontline stuff, they'll be like, hey, that makes a powerful statement. Great for the guy for having that much fortitude to do that. But what's the actual reality that's going to happen? Or a police chief of Calgary, or police chief of, of, of Lloyd Minster, or Lethbridge, or, you know, like, it's, it's never going to fucking happen. So let's just face it. But if there's a private person out there for hire that can do this and maintain their privacy, that's me. A world-famous therapist, um, Kim Barthel, was on the show twice. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, and she works very closely with Theo Fleury. Mm-hmm. They're good friends. And when I asked her how important is peer support, she goes, oh, Mark, it is the most important mm. thing. It is so important. And... One of, and we haven't quite got to it yet, but it's going to be tough for people to wrap their head around it unless they're already halfway down the road. Yeah. But connection, which peer support provides, that true connection, which is unconditional, 
true connection is is safe where you can just be yourself, let your hair down, uh, and you and you are free from being judged. Mm-hmm. So a free from judgment environment, which is what people call that safe space. Mm-hmm. If you're in that in that environment with other people that are of similar experience, that creates connection, and connection is the cure. Oh, Mark, connection yeah. is the cure. And that's what peer support is. I need to say something here. Yeah. You really did hit on it. And again, for me, going into this bigger world of just uniformed services and STEM military, transit cop, Edmonton. Dude was so isolated in six sessions of just peer support. He's now got, his life has changed completely. His marriage has changed completely because he thought he was the only person. He was too afraid to go to whomever. The dude is living life right now. And that comes up, um, the thing, the first thing that comes up to me uh, that pops up for me is what we said earlier about not being a douchebag to each other. That's right. Uh, comparative trauma. Uh, people, you know, people will say, transit cop, how bad could that be? Well, it's pretty oh, fucking dude. bad. Oh my God. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's horrific. Oh my God, it's awful, man. Yeah, like it's, uh, right. so I was in a war, you know, you were in, Several wars, several times. <laughs> I was in one more one time. But yeah. uh, what I saw, carnage, bodies, body yeah. parts, and all that, so did he. Under a different environment. Um, but, yeah, it, like, it was right up there mm-hmm. with what I saw in a fucking war, right? In yeah. a genocide. And what a transit cop has seen is pretty damn similar. Yeah. Um, it's a horrific environment, mm-hmm. you know, dismembered bodies all the time from trains hitting them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and same with corrections, by the way, I had no idea. And, and just to say this out loud, no corrections at the top of the list. Yeah. But you know what? Never once it ever, ever crossed my mind until I got into this new agency, Yeah, you know, through OSI can with the Canadian mental health association and what a fucking level of eye opener. And it's again, I, I'm really so happy that there's no, trauma comparison there's no rating scale that we use whatsoever and it's the allowing them to come on in and just say what they need to say and hear others you know that transit cop he's like dude i can't even compare to you and i blah blah i can't even blah blah and i'm like Uh, yeah you can you know what but but you shouldn't we're not (laughs) you can but we're not going to do this because that's not going to help you right because we're not here to share war stories we're here to share difficulties of of, of living life on a regular basis. Are you injured? Yeah. Does it hurt? And my job? Do you want to heal? Yeah. Do you want to heal is question number three. Are That's you right. injured? Does it hurt? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to heal? That one is the most important of all of those, right? It Do is. Do you want to heal? And then my job is how can I help? Here's the tools I have to help you so that when you go and talk to your shrink, you can relate. You and, can express these feelings. feeling that you're not alone is so huge. You know, um, not feeling isolated because we feel isolated. Mm-hmm. These injuries isolate us. Thus is why I say that OSIs are, the, the injury of OSI is disconnection. Mm-hmm. We feel disconnected from others. We did feel disconnected from our family, from the civilian world. We feel disconnected from the person that we used to be. Mm-hmm, that's right. And, and, and it creates isolation where we feel that we are alone and nobody understands me and nobody gets me. That is the injury. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, there's other parts of it, the neurological pathways, blah, 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 all true, but disconnection is the injury. Therefore, connection is the cure. And what an oxymoron, too, of, of being in uniform service to go out and help people, help, help, help. Where you know, firemen go out there and they do this, save lives, they can rescue cats, they save houses, blah, 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 blah. Ambulance, same thing. Corrections, you know, for as much as someone people think they're out there being demons, they're not. They're actually there to help people, truly, on the inside. And so here we are in uniform service to help people, but we can't fucking help ourselves. The... Um Perfect segue, because yeah. I want to talk about what uh, Jeff just wrote here. Sure. Um, so, Jeff, uh, I'll, I'll read what you wrote, and then I'll say what I'm going to say. Uh, so, Jeff writes, I lost everything, was homeless, was in a psychiatric ward for years, was a drug addict, alcoholic, ashamed of my failure, of course. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, ashamed of my failure to my loved ones, um, the army, the firefighting, um, and I couldn't live in my own skin. Absolutely, Jeff. That's mm-hmm. normal. I know it's what a horrible thing to say is normal, but it's totally fucking normal. It totally is. Um, now he does uh, artwork, plays guitar, so that's called connection and yeah. mindfulness. Okay, mm-hmm. artwork, playing guitar are mindful exercises. They get you out of your head and into the activity. Very important. And sing and train with my dog. Excellent. These are all um, both. Um, coping mechanisms and healing mechanisms jeff the trick is and you'll see this jeff um it has to be a daily routine or you'll find like geez it's been like two months since i've picked up the guitar it's been two months since i've um uh, sang a song it's been six months since i've trained with my dog why do i feel like shit Mm -hmm. well because you're not doing the thing (laughs) the the thing has to be every fucking day because if you miss one day you'll miss a hundred yeah and this is the point of the duolingo that i keep talking about it's just an example it's not about learning a language it's about daily habit and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what that is you know i train every week for arm wrestling i don't miss not because i think i'm going to be king of the world of arm wrestling not likely Mm. you know but um it's because it's that daily habit is good for me Therefore, I need to do it every day. And if mm-hmm. I miss one day, I'll miss 100. I've only missed one peer support group since late so uh, October 2015. And it still bugs you. That one missed. Yeah, that <laughs> one I missed, right? And so imagine every 14 days since 2015, I have been doing peer support group. And and that's that reliability for all of my Peers, you notice, I, you notice I don't call them clients, right? They're all no. my peers, right? These people I respect. These people have come to me to say, "Hey, you know, let's let's have a meeting every two weeks." Right? So, um, Jeff, just to tell you, I'm not blowing smoke when I tell you mm-hmm. um, everything that you shared here. Homeless, uh, psychiatric ward. That's all normal. Jeez, uh, I haven't talked about this for a while. I'm gonna, I might get upset. You know, um, <laughs> I'm here for everybody, but. Um, I think it was 2011 or 2012. I lost, like I was doing well. Yeah. I was, I was a realtor insured park. Uh, I was making a buck 60 buck 70 a year. Like I was, mm-hmm. I, I, I was doing good um, until I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And when the marriage, my first marriage came to an end, everything came to an end Yeah, and I could not keep my poop in a group. Fucking couldn't. So I lost my real estate license. Well, I had to give it up. I just couldn't do the job anymore because yeah. I was losing clients 
because I just couldn't handle them anymore. Therefore, I lost my income. Therefore, I lost my house. Mm -hmm. I was foreclosed on, bankrupt. Uh, and, I, and I couldn't, you know, other people are like, well, I've been divorced. It didn't wreck me. I'm doing fine, you know. Well, good for you. Good I got you, a little yeah. bit more going on, you know. Um, but, uh, so true, you know, so I, this is yeah. pre-diagnosis. Right. So I had no idea, you know, and talk about beating yourself up. I just lost my marriage, my house, mm-hmm. um, everything I own, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that I had built and accomplished, you know, uh, gone. And, uh, and then for three years, the only way I could support, I could survive and, and support my, my ex-wife and my kids was to live in a support home. Mm-hmm. So for three years, I lived in a support home looking after two developmentally challenged men mm-hmm. full time living in that house. And because as their support worker, my rent was covered. Yeah. I, I didn't pay any rent. Um, so everything I made went to support my family. Mm-hmm. So that's right next to homelessness, <laughs> it is. you know, cause I had no rent. I was very, very lucky. It was a beautiful environment to live in, but uh, when it comes to losing everything, yeah, been there, it's already happened. And again, it, it, dude, in the computer here, you know, please understand it's not a pissing contest. What, no, 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 the whole no. thing, the whole reason why I'm, I'm just letting you know, it's real. Yeah, it is very real. And the reason why you're sharing is, is, is again, this is an example of peer support is you're saying, I can relate. I understand your pain. Um, I'm not here to say that mine was worse than yours. I'm just saying oh, no. I can totally get what you're going through. And I can also, I can also now let you know there's better times ahead. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. And then the next question he would be asking would be, okay, so how did you do it? What can I, what, what resources are out there? You know, that kind of stuff. Right. And so as peer support, we're going to like, Hey, I can give you a hand with that. I'd like to, something that just occurred to me too. Yeah. Um, when I lost it all, when, when the house came in trouble, like, for, actually, let's go back a bit further. When I was flying high, right? I'm moving, I'm shaking, I'm making mm-hmm. a good buck. I'm almost famous at this time. You know, uh, 08 is when my book was published. And yeah. between 08 and 12, I was almost famous. <laughs> and um, dur- dur- during that time, and I had money, and I had the toys, and the quads, and the acreage, and all these things, yeah. the, the same people that were shitting on me, that uh, were detractors that were, uh, you know, uh, calling me down because I was doing well. The exact same people, when it all came crashing down, they were nowhere to be found. That's when you find who your friends are. Yeah. And what a hashtag, right? What a, what a freaking cheesy fucking saying. Like, you'll know your friends who they are when. Cheesy fucking saying, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's the truth. Yeah. And who was still there when it all came crashing down? Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't the people that were uh, shitting on me. You know, they all disappeared, poof, Mm -hmm. you know, but everybody that was cheering me on when I did well, when it all crashed, they were, they were still there supporting me and cheering me on. Mm -hmm. Right. So forget the haters. Forget the haters. Yeah, exactly. You know, we need them. I mean, there's enough out there already as it is and, and, and encountering, encountering our own kind that can, they can relate and, and support and, and give access to resources or point you in the right direction and, and be there through the thick and thin, right? So, you know, blood's thicker than water, pal. I mean, fucking uniform, your PPCLI, I'm Strathcona, we're there, right? We really are. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit more about, mm. um, let's say Calgary Police calls you up and says, hey, John, tell me more 
about this peer support stuff. Like, uh, how could you incorporate this within Calgary Police? Now, if you could wave a magic wand and say, okay, Calgary Police, this is what you need. This is what the program looks like, mm-hmm. short-term and long-term. Uh, let's paint the picture. First thing is, is I'm not there to take away from them. I'm there to help with their peer support program. This is the very first thing is, is you have to still have your institutional peer support programs, but you can't think it's the only one because you're only going to capture a very small percentage of the people within your own force. So blue, we call the blue on blue. Well, okay. it's because of the trust issue, right? Like people, exactly people it. still think, and I didn't get to this earlier. Mm. Um, there are big institutions, D and D, um, all the different major police organizations. Yeah, every and, agency has their own. And they all say the same thing. They all say, oh, no, it's perfectly safe to put up your hand and say, I need help. Perfectly safe. It will not damage your career. Mm-hmm. But the people that are actually there on the ground, they're like, bullshit. You know, yeah. most people are still thinking, fuck you. I don't trust you. Yeah. Um, if I put up my hand, my career is over. Now, I'm not saying that this is true or untrue. I'm saying that's what people think still. The perception's out there, and then therefore that's good enough. I'll tell so you that. the internal peer support program, that's why it's going to have a low uptake. But if you have an external, completely um, private one that's discreet, now that could get some traction. Okay, you're hitting on it now. So the first thing is, what it looks like is, is they need to understand we're not there as competitors. We're not there to say we're going to do better than you. All yeah. we're there to do I am there to do, if they approach me, is I am there to augment. I am there to help your program be more effective. I am also here to catch the people that don't want to go there, that need the support, that, you know, they want to ask for help, but they're too afraid to. Okay, come to me. But working collaboration with CPS Peer Support Program or Calgary Fire or whatever other agency that approaches me, it doesn't matter who it is, we're just using CPS because... Um, but again, if we're working in collaboration with them, idealistically, in my perfect world, it would be, hey, I have 10 of your members here, and this is generally what they're experiencing. But you're not giving any demographic data. You're giving them feedback to say, this is what they're experiencing. This is why they didn't go to the internal agency. This is what I'm doing for them, blah, blah, blah. And then, so if there's any resources I need to service their people, CPS, Pearsburg Program, and say, here, what resources do you need that we can provide for you to help our members or Calgary Fire or whoever, whomever? That, to me, would be the ideal world. Because, again, it's, it's about the person who needs the help. And from an administrative point of view, mm-hmm. what does the brass have to do? I, I, I'm going to suggest, you to, and you correct me or, or, mm-hmm. or, or add to it, the brass, the people at the top, the police chiefs, the fire chiefs, whatever. Two things. One, uh, promote that there is help available. Two, make make sure that um, people have the time to mm-hmm. attend, so that it's inc- so awareness and then accessibility. And if they do those two things, mm-hmm. you know, right on. Now. Is part of what you do to find leaders within the peer support, let's say, 
uh, Calgary Police calls you today, I'm just going to keep picking on them. Yeah. And say, look, yeah, we do have our own internal stuff. We also see the value of having external resources for people that are just... um, not trusting the system, they're, they're they're hesitant to come forward, and we also recognize that that costs lives. People commit suicide because they were hesitant to to step forward. Mm-hmm. So let's bridge the gap. That's right. That's John, good. And John, you can't be in ten places at once. So how do you scale this? Would your answer be well? First, we start the group. Within the groups, I. I will be able to spot somebody that can at some point facilitate the group themselves mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, and teach others. And then you will teach the facilitators. So like the, um, and, and get a little cadre of them yeah. within every major organization so that they can pilot themselves. Is that about right? That is really close. Absolutely. Like it, it, it's, there's only a few tweaks within that. And the first thing is, is all the command staff, command staff, in each of the holodecks, so the major agencies, okay, the carpet land or holodeck, we're going to call it, okay, because it's not real life. They need to stop denying, first and foremost, just stop yeah. denying. Uh, and the second thing is they need to recognize that their own internal peer support program has limitations. Okay? Well put. Okay. So because of those limitations, we need to look outside, right? And so let's get a trusted, let's get a trusted agency. Let's get somebody who's got some experience and has a track record who has credentials. Bingo. Okay. Now you're, now you're meeting your liability obligations within that. Okay. Because you can't just use any homegrown agency or like homegrown person, because I've seen too many peer support programs implode on themselves because they're not regulated. Uh, the second thing is to have collaboration. Just as I said before, it's like, what can I do to support you to support my people? You hit on the other particular point is they need to have the time to go. Mm hmm. Okay. The other thing that hasn't been addressed yet either is, is the higher the rank, <laughs> the less likely to show up directly proportional to their rank level is the amount in inverse to the chances of them going forward and asking for help. Yeah. Okay. So, so I have never, I've only seen a Sergeant come to me once. I've only had a Colonel show up for six months because it was deemed mandatory. Okay, that's all I've had. I've had corporals, privates, master corporals. That's it. Within the corrections, I have I've had a, a sergeant, and that's it. Like I'm, I'm telling you, the rank level. And this is why I had to go and create my own private agency, was because I need to address those people from the rank of sergeant and above, whatever whatever agency they're in. Okay, someone who is a say for example, eleven years or more in is not going to come forward. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's and, too much to lose. And it's funny that I haven't done the math on that before. Yeah. But that's, you know, and that's why we get together to have these conversations. It absolutely is, yeah. But that's exactly right. Um, like people that are at the, the top of the rank structure, they're like, well, it's too late for me, you know, or uh, yeah. or their ego is just too big or whatever it is. Yeah. They they are the last ones to, to reach out for help. Nine the times la- last ones to admit. Absolutely, dude. It's nine times out of 10. It's like, I've got 32 years in and I'm not leaving this up yet. I've worked too hard for this command position. So fuck that. I'm staying here. And they will do everything and anything to fucking hide their problems. It's so incredibly, there's so few exceptions to that rule. One though is Romeo Dallaire. You know, so Romeo is one of the few exceptions to the rule. He's at the the top of the command food chain. You know, he was a general. 
or master general or mega general. Or he was a major general. Major general. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, mega general. But, uh, I'm just going to make ranks up as we go along. But um, Everyone else does it. Yeah, sure. But, uh, him coming out, but he's the only one I can think of at, at a tip-top level that came out and said, yep. Okay. Yep, this is an so, issue. But uh, this is the power of story, though. Yeah. Be- because he was able to come out at the top, how many thousands of others were able to put their hand up and go, yeah, I'm having a hard time, too. Okay. Delaire, exception. Straight up off Rare the Rare exception. Rare fucking exception. Yeah. But yeah, there's n- a lot going n- name, on. Name another one on his level. I there can't. Isn't. There isn't. Yeah, I can't. I, there's only one the, Romeo. There's, I, can, I, I can say that Hillier was one of the better ones to, within the forces, he was one of the better ones to, it could accept it, that it was it's happening and then it needs something need to be addressed with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Diller is an exception. And and big big fucking balls on the man for coming forward and doing that and and it did more good than anything else. But there was a driving force behind him coming out and doing that. Okay, and from the internal point of view, I understand why he's so dedicated for that. I don't blame him. I hope he addresses that driving force because if he doesn't address it, it will eat him. No matter how much good he does in promoting mental health. If he doesn't address what that that driving energy is, it'll take him to the grave. Well, he's um he was all the way to homeless at one point, sleeping on he park really was. benches. Yeah. You know, and this is a general. Yeah. You know, who's sleeping on park benches. How hard is that to swallow? But uh I mean yeah. uh his book Shake Hands with the Devil, I still have it actually, it's right behind you. Mm-hmm. I just gotta finish reading the damn thing. <laughs> Same There's here. a lot of books I gotta finish reading. But, um, I mean, if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. But now I just want to address, um, no. So there's a lot of comments on here, like dozens of them. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. What I will say though, is thank you to everybody because everybody that's uh, writing these comments, it's, uh, for everybody to read, but, um, thank you to everybody for, for contributing. And I'm sorry that I can't get back to, uh, all of them. And, but, uh, anyway. Is there anything there that stands out that we can address? Because, I mean, I love getting the audience involved. Some of them, are, so uh, for, for the people listening, um, the longer the comment, the less I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Keep it short and quick. You know, Let's... because I try to stay focused on our conversation. Absolutely, and not, yeah. It's also why I don't have a multi-camera system. Right. Uh, I had a fellow on the show, spectacular show that he has, Daniel Hearn, um, Hard Knocks Talks, great guy, mm, yeah. great show he has. He's got cameras and camera angles and all this great stuff that I wish I had. But he's also on the pad changing, you know, in real time. Mm. I can't do that. No. I need to be here with you. Yeah. Listening. You know, I, I need to be present. I can't do that if I'm producing a show while I'm trying to talk to you. Uh, yeah. Multitasking. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. And the same with a lot of these. But um, I will say thank you to everybody for, for sharing the comments that you have. Those contributions matter. Um, getting back to, to interagency, uh, peer support stuff as well, because that's so interesting, Mark. And that's where it really is going here with, with what I'm seeing. And, and it's so powerful because if you can have, imagine, um, I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, multi-agencies and, and so you have the cop who gets a criminal, puts him behind bars. <laughs> okay. Does his thing. But along the way, the dude has to go through, through emergency services. Okay. 
And so you have all these people that are catching a snippet of this person's life or the worst day of their fucking life kind of thing. And, and after a while, it leaves, it leaves imprints and, and footprints in, another per, in that cop or that, the medic's life or the corrections and, and life. That's or something this where, that. uh, you know, I just want to pause for a moment. Yeah. So let, let's just, for people that have never worn a uniform in, or been in, in a trauma-rich environment, I'd like you to pause for a moment right now and think about the most overwhelming, horrible day of your life. Maybe it was a tragic loss of of a loved one. Mm-hmm. The most emotionally wrenching, kick in the gut day of your life. Now imagine seeing somebody else go through that three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. The worst day of your life they witness in somebody else three or four times a week. That's the life of a first responder. It, it is. Imagine, especially Christmas time. Especially oh, yeah. Christmas, okay, bad weather, drinking parties, families getting killed. Imagine a cop going to three calls. That same cop sees the same fire truck. That same fire truck and a king same cop see the same ambulance at three different calls on the same fucking shift. Well, imagine seeing... Imagine. And, and okay, uh, poor, if you are easily triggered or... I'm about to do some war porn. I won't mm. give you... like just, But these will be examples. So right, these right. will be general examples. Mm. There are people who have on the regular, or at least a few times in their career, seen children that were slaughtered by their parents. Mm-hmm. The, um, every ambulance attendant and cop has seen the inside of somebody's skull after mm-hmm. they ate a bullet. So there'd be skull fragments and brain all over a wall and nothing but a hole left mm-hmm. where, their, where their head and brains used to be. And they know what the inside of a human head looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've seen this in a horror movie, trust me on when I say this, it doesn't even come close. Doesn't compare. Doesn't yeah, I've seen similar shit, and um, yeah, you, you can't get it from a horror movie because you can't smell a horror movie. And the sounds too. The, the these people that we're talking about here, imagine after the shift they have to go home and pretend nothing fucking happened, or a body that's been ripe, it's been rotting for two three weeks, exactly, and, and you get it at the good spot, you know. Yeah. So so these, I mean, these people they have the extraordinary jobs, extraordinary lives. There's extraordinary demands put on them. And and the thing is, you can only do it for so long before you get scars. And then they get shit on. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's a, and I'm not going to name them, but there's been a couple of political movements recently that shouldn't be political, but they are, that shit on cops. Mm-hmm. So your job is to be there to protect others, to be mm-hmm. there on other people's worst day of their entire life. Mm-hmm. On the regular, you're seeing dead people, both children and adults. You're seeing uh, families blown apart on the regular. Mm-hmm. Brains against a wall on the regular. And then both government and the general public tell you that you're a bad person. Dude, that is like massively unfucking fair Yeah. It truly is. It's something else. It's a level of betrayal that so many people deal with right now. Um, another thing that's well, has in, not in been every major about, police force across North America, for sure, yeah. people are leaving in droves. They they're, they're like, fuck, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which means the public safety is suffering. That's why crime is going up at a ridiculous rate across North America mm-hmm. right now. Cause more and more people are leaving. They're like, see you later. I'm yeah. out of here. 
Um, NYPD is, what, I mean, they're always short-staffed, but now they're like cut in half. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. All these major police um, agencies, but it's also happening right across, um, and, and it's also happening in our hospitals. Yeah. Right. Nurses. E, uh, all kinds of EMS people, nurses, healthcare workers, they've got out of the profession and some are going back, but a big chunk have got out and will never go back on principle. Uh, a new, the, the newest trend I've, I've seen and heard right now is um, recruiting for police and fire. Like, okay, so the, the major agencies, again, the major agencies, the recruiting is not working out for them because. They're getting such little numbers coming in. Yeah. So their retention is not there. Their recruiting is not what it used to be. Ambulance attendants. Um, I keep seeing, because a good friend of mine just got out of the ambulance service. She's part of the purge. She's like, I can't yeah. work here anymore. This is yeah. freaking toxic. So she got the hell out. But she keeps making these posts of, uh, oh, look, six-hour wait time for an ambulance. Yeah. When you call 911, you don't have six minutes, much less six hours. Right. So people are dying left and right, right here in Alberta, right in Calgary and Edmonton and Red Deer because of uh, long ambulance times. Mm-hmm. There's people coming from three counties over to to attend to calls um, because retention isn't there. Mm-hmm. And this is a combination of toxic leadership, of government interference, and public perception that's fueled by government interference um, yeah. where it's like, it is just too toxic to go to work. So people are just like, you know, I'm going to go be a bus driver or something. I'm out of here. The old guard is having a really hard time with the new kids coming in because the training programs have been cut short. They're not getting what they need for the training program. Plus they're adding in so many other things, all these snowflakey things, programs, courses, and these mandates that are, that that's being imposed on them. As you talked about with the government, with the new policies and stuff like that. They are handcuffing their job. These people are all being handcuffed in their jobs so much that the old guard is going like, you know what? I can't fucking take it anymore. So that corporate knowledge, that experience level is not being passed down to the frontline people that are needing it as much anymore. Well, we have these academics that um, don't have the feet on the street experience. That's right. So we have social workers showing up to calls where it's like, you know, you don't need a cop for this. Yeah. And then they're getting the shit beat out of them or killed mm-hmm. because um, not everybody can be reasoned with. Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants to be your friend. You can't de-escalate every situation. And especially when somebody's cranked up on drugs, um, you can't. There's no reasoning. You know, that, that, that's what has been turned so off. It's, it's this um, well-meaning but completely unrealistic thought that, mm-hmm. well, these cops just don't have the de-escalation training, so I'll go in here with my university degrees and I will de-escalate. And then they get the beat over the head with a pipe. Mm-hmm. Whoops, I guess that didn't work, you know. And it's like, yeah, it didn't because I agree. Every police officer should be at the absolute forefront of de-escalation. And I also agree that there are all kinds of cops that could use more de-escalation training because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they're the mm-hmm. first ones to get into a fight instead of the last ones to get into a mm-hmm. fight. I acknowledge this reality. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are times where there's no way out of it. Either you fight or you die. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. Um, should there be less 
fights? Should there be less violence? In a perfect world, yes. In a perfect world, yeah. But this but is a harsh place. It, it's a harsh place. It's a harsh environment. And what if you got all the de-escalation training in the world and nine times out of ten, you can de-escalate like a motherfucker. Like you're a badass de-escalator, right? But you caught me on the wrong day. Where my cup's full. I do not have the capacity because it takes tremendous capacity to de-escalate. When somebody's literally spitting in your face... Keeping your calm, Mm -hmm. it takes tremendous superhuman ability. So if this is the eighth time this week that you've been spat in in the face or kicked in the balls, literally, and um, sometimes you just don't, it's not the day. And this de-escalation expert is going to beat you within an inch of your life. That's just reality. And there's no amount of training. There is no magic pill for this yeah this is the reality of doing an impossible job under impossible circumstances which is why when it does happen and it will at least once in everybody's career we have to be compassionate about it Mm -hmm. you know what's the bigger picture here instead of shitting all over the person that uh, maybe had a little excessive force that day there, a police officer from in Maryland and I were talking about this. He's part of my peer support group as well. By the way, I'm international too. Attaboy. <laughs> so I, I, got, I got a police from, from, from Maryland. Bow, 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 bow. Bam. Anyways, so we spent an hour talking about the problems with policing and that kind of stuff. And and right now it's because of the, the policy and protocol and doctrine has been, has been pushed down to them that the humanity of policing has been removed. Yeah. That's it. The humanity has been removed. The same thing with the prosecuting lawyers and the judges and that kind of stuff is because everything is so critical nowadays, so micro-criticized and spotlighted and, and judged and, and, and all the, so many armchair critics that it's become more policy-driven. And uh, that's a problem. These policies are creating impossible standards. That is exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Absolutely impossible. So there's they're removing the judgment of the judges. They're removing the the ability for prosecuting lawyers to to be effective, um, because everything is going switching to the victim or not to the victim, sorry, to the criminal, to make sure their rights aren't violated. Okay, but now we've really tilted the scale and the balance of of, of justice and equality to both, because now the victim is re-victimized by the service no less than three times after the criminal does their initial initial injury. Yeah, and the system the that's supposed to have some justice to it isn't. It's not a justice system, it's a legal system. It's now it's a legal system. Therefore, the victim uh, ends up with no help and no empathy mm. and no justice. Now, the people that have... The, so this is where I'm coming in again. Is it, I know it seems like we're kind of sidetracked, but really not because I'm dealing with so many people now that are in the military in the uniformed services that are dealing with the, the betrayal of those policies and that doctrine and, and that kind of stuff. And they are burning out and, and they can't fucking take it. And that's what you were saying before about they're just leaving in droves. Yeah, they are. And, and when they leave, and the they're best, broken. And in most point, uh, cases, the good ones are all leaving. That's right. All the best ones are leaving. I've said it before and I can say it here on the show. And and I know that it's, we you know we're allowed to use the F-bomb like a... Like, belt fed at times if we're allowed to but if required if required yeah so you have your cops and then you have your fucking cops 
those fucking cops. You have your soldiers and you have your fucking soldiers. And nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. That's exactly right. So when all the good cops are gone, what do you got left? That's right. That's exactly it. The same thing with the lawyers and your fucking lawyers, right? Yeah. So Same thing. So exactly. When your cops, your lawyers, and all these other people are leaving, the only thing you're left with are fucking cops, fucking lawyers, (laughs) and fucking judges. (laughs) And the problem becomes a real fucking problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what we're facing. And the guys that need it, you know, the guys that, that... the true guardians are broken and I'm here picking up the pieces. The peer support programs are failing because they're, because the chain of command is in denial and saying, Oh, I mean my fucking legal obligation because we have a peer support program here and it's doing good because I got these numbers. Yeah, but dude, what you don't know where the people, the numbers you're missing. I probably have just as many people on my peer support list from Calgary city police as John does within CPS. Very likely, you know, and I'm, I'm only spitballing and taking a guess here, but I do, I'm very aware of the <coughs> failure of the numbers because why? Because I was in the system of the military and the number of people that we were actually supporting and being effective with was really, really low compared to the people that were falling through the cracks. And that can be easily transposed on every single branch of service. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, John, what's the name of your peer support consulting training company? Alberta Recoil. Alberta Recoil. Yes. I like that. Uh, you can find me on uh, on Facebook as Armor John. Um, you can get a hold of me through this podcast, to be quite honest. is probably the best place if you're international, not in Calgary area. Um, this would be the best place to reach me. Do you have here. a website? Not yet. At, we literally just went online. Like just started. Like can I put your ago. phone number on this episode? You sure can. Okay. So in the show notes, you, um, you probably won't see it uh, on the video versions because there's so many of them on so many platforms. But on the audio versions, which will be avail- available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others, there will be a notes section. In that notes section uh, will be... Uh, John's name and contact information so that you can get a hold of him should you want to hire him to either create or to support your current peer support groups and efforts. And I, again, will close with connection is the cure. Peer support creates that connection. Yeah. Connection is the cure. And if you are in the top tiers and you're one of the members of the brass, would you like to increase retention? Because this is how you increase retention. Would you like to increase the, the fallout and encourage more people to leave? Because not doing this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. Do you want more people to leave? Ignore this. Then you'll get more people to leave. So if you want to help those that are helping us, if you want to help increase your retention and increase the quality of life in the workplace because you got less people that are walking around injured, creating damage wherever they go, both in the office and out there on the street with the public. If you would like to minimize that damage, maximize the support. Connection is the cure, my friends. Let John help you. And of course, recommend this show. If nothing else, this episode. This episode, exactly. Uh, Mark, I, if I may, please just have one liberty for one second here is 
I had somebody who was literally on their way out of the military from a 3B release in the program, two years later, promoted, posted, saved five careers. I didn't believe it. This dude got promoted and posted, and he saved five soldiers from being released out of the military. Connection is the cure. Because he knew what was going on, and he was able to fix the problem. Could you imagine? Because how much money does does it take to train a firefighter, a cop, or a medic? Lots. He saved five troops from being kicked out of the military because he recognized what the issue was. So it works. It does work. It works. John, thanks for being on here today, brother. My pleasure, man. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.